Blog Talk Radio. about our Dictator-in-Chief, which is the title of our show today, and uh, that was Crosby, Stills, and Nash with Four Dead in Ohio. That was um, uh, came to mind uh, this week as, as uh, Mr. Trump introduced and unleashed his secret police in Washington and and uh, fortunately, nobody died as he gassed fellow Americans and um, posed for the lamest uh, photo op with a Bible. But here to discuss it all is uh, 
my colleague, Dr. Ray. Greetings, Ray. Hi, David. How are you doing on this uh, sunny, warm afternoon? Yeah, uh, it's a nice day. Um, um, uh, I don't know. It's hard to contrast a, a beautiful day like this with the dark darkness coming out of uh, the bunker at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue um, because of the uh, the authoritarian in chief who is, uh, I think, getting uh, daily, if not more often calls from uh, his pal Vladimir Putin. Um, and the reason I say that, Ray, is Putin is, is famous for saying that uh, uh, the, the biggest thing he fears above all are crowds because uh, they will challenge his, his authority in ways that he can't control. So he can't have that. And I think there's a pipeline, the hotline, or what do you call, Ray, the bat phone? Um, uh, that, yeah, that, we uh, do. That's the, the most yeah. important. <laughs> yeah, and he's the the Riddler or the Joker or calling calling on the bat phone in the White House to, to tell Donald, who I don't think is really uh, smart enough to do the come up with the ideas that he does. Um, but anyway, uh, this week was uh, horrific, chilling, um, as Trump unleashed his own secret police. And um, so, Ray, uh, I chose that song uh, uh, by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And tell us about Kent State. Uh, this is, uh, we go back to 1970 in this. What 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 can you uh, enlighten our our listeners about this? Well, I was a senior in college. Of course, is the the particular you know the best place I guess or the worst place you could be because all the colleges in the country were involved in one way tangentially or another. And I'll never forget that day. I was at Siena College in Loudonville, and I actually wasn't the day as much I remembered as the the follow-up when the riot started and there were, I mean, you can give us the historical history as well as I can, but um, Nixon had the national guard out, not unlike now are the, they were young average age, 19 years of age and four, um, four students at Kent state were gunned down because they were peacefully protesting. Um, apparently uh, one of the, the soldiers was uh, nervous or happy or an order was given. There's so much written, but the end result was four dead in Ohio. And Nixon, uh, you know, was the one that all fingers were pointing at because he had kept us in, in Vietnam for, uh, at that point, two years after promising a secret plan and winning the election so narrowly over Hubert Humphrey in 68. And lo and behold, uh, we were still there, and every summer, every day, uh, you know, from the time he was elected, people were waiting for the troops to be withdrawn from Vietnam, and they were not. It was an, and the, the tension was very similar, very analogous to what, you know, we've had here. And I told you my own story 
at Siena College, uh, you know, a private Franciscan college, um, what happened, but all the uh, students, not all of them, many of them started stage a sit-in in the major building of the college called Siena Hall, and one of the priests uh, went around and slapped all the sit-in, those engaging in the sit-in. Right across the street was Troop G, which is a lot, one of the largest police barracks uh, in the, the state, and they were there to stop um, – they were there to, uh, to you know, at that moment to try and make peace. And it was, the tension was unbelievable. And the comment was made in our um, newspaper, which was there for the reunions, that one wrong move, and we would have had right in Loudonville uh, another Kent State. And I'm sure that was the situation all across the country. Um, I'd be interested to know, let's see, I was... I was about 21 at the time, so I'm guessing you were what, whatever age you were. He'll let you do the math. And, uh, yeah. 12. How old were you? 12? 12. What do you, what do you viscerally, what do you remember, David? Um, well, that was, uh, I was still in, in grammar school, and I don't particularly remember that day, but I, I do remember the coverage it got and the, uh, you know, back then it was uh, whatever Walter Cronkite said went, and uh, uh, you know, I, I just uh, uh, got most of my news from Walter Cronkite and the the, the newspapers, and um, it gradually dawned on me how serious this was. Uh, I didn't get it at first. Well, as a twelve-year-old, what would you get? But I hated Nixon. I just knew Nixon was 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 a a creep, you know, before he was a creep. And it was, uh, you know, we were we were um, becoming familiar with the the Vietnam War. Um, the brother of one of our classmates uh, was killed. Um, I'll always remember that. Um, um, Patrick Mitchell was our classmate, and uh, his brother Peter uh, was uh, was killed in Vietnam, and that was just mind blowing. I, I mean, it, there it was. We we were affected by it, and uh, uh, just sort of paralyzed. What do we do? How do you know? Of course, death is not an easy topic for uh, seventh or eighth graders. And, um, you know, we just, I did, I just felt so bad for him. I wasn't very close to him, but to Peter, to Patrick Mitchell, but just felt horrible. And, uh, it really was an awakening and, and with Kent state, it, uh, it really, um, uh, uh, we had a connection to it, and uh, you know, before then, uh, Vietnam was uh, kind of an abstract concept. But um, and of course, it uh, evolved over time as Nixon devolved, and um, so I see this week as as uh, maybe Trump's Kent State moment, you know, where he really frightened the nation by uh, 
tear gassing, even though they don't want to use that word, um, but gassing and um, uh, I don't know what else they did, but dispersing a peaceful protest and make it a, making it a dangerous situation and using uh, really <laughs> what they call little green men uh, to do it. Uh, little green men. I I I refer to the uh, the secret police that you know uh, William Barr put together from uh, pers- uh, prison um, guards from I believe Texas, and he he just brought them to Washington, um, which. You know, states, Washington not being a state, had no power to refuse them. Washington is basically run by the federal government, and um, so therefore needs statehood. But, um, Ray, I want to play for a bit a uh, a clip that sort of encapsulates the week, and uh, it's from a uh, a radio personality that – uh, is a little funky, but I I like her maybe because she's a New Yorker. But she's on uh, she's had a show for many many years. Uh, now she's mostly on the internet, uh, and she used to be on Air America Radio in the uh, early 2000s. And um, so I I just want to let her describe for a bit the uh, what happened, and then we'll come back and discuss it. So this is uh, Randy Rhodes and her episode is called Little Green Men. Hello, it's Randy Rhodes. Here's a clip from our show and go to randyrhodes.com for the whole thing and a podcast. Buy a stinking podcast. Mary had a little man, man, man. The fault. We believe that all men are created equal. This magnificent mosaic that is America. Radio beacon to radio beacon. When Donald Trump came out of hiding this week, he didn't do it to bring us together or heal the nation. He wasn't there to offer words of calm and comfort. Instead, he became what we always feared, evoked the worst of our past threatened our governors and states. He ordered our own soldiers who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan to flood the streets, instructing them to turn against Americans, used churches and the Holy Bible as political props. He didn't invoke the Lord to give us wisdom, but to boost his polls, ordered an attack on unarmed protesters using gas, rubber bullets, and flash grenades. Washington transformed into a war zone for this coward. This is a time for choosing. America or Trump. There you have it. These are Republicans that are putting these ads together, by the way. Um, it, it is it is it is unbelievable the militarization that Donald Trump is uh, you know trying to uh, order Bill Barr. Okay, so let me let me just explain. Over the past couple of days, I've seen these little green men. A lot of people have seen these little green men, and nobody understood who these people were because they won't wear insignias. 
They won't wear name tags. They don't have numbers on the back of their helmets, as is common uh, in units that represent the, either the U.S. military, the National Guard, or legitimate police organizations, right? And the reason why everybody is tagged, for those of you who never served, is so we can recognize each other. And now what you have is a bunch of people wearing black garb or green garb with all kinds of really new shiny equipment who are dressing just like militia members. Now, if, if you're a garden variety lunatic militia member and you ask me to, you know, uh, surrender to you, I get to say no. But if you're law enforcement, if you're a legitimate police officer or you're a, a National Guardsman who has been called in by a governor, uh, then you don't have the. So really what we have here is this <clears throat> soup of confusion in Washington, D.C. Uh, why Washington? Well, there's no violence in Washington. There just isn't. There hasn't been. New York was peaceful, too, for the most part. Most cities have uh, seen, like, nothing but peaceful protests over the past two nights, right? There's very little, uh, you know, uh, uh, criminal activity going on because the criminal activity has been stopped in its tracks by local police. There there, there are people, uh, 7,000 arrests have taken place because people sought to insert themselves into millions of peaceful protesters and take advantage of the situation and they were caught and that's that so washington dc is singing and they are protesting peacefully and all this right and yet on the street yesterday you could see all these little green men and all these little black uh you know stormtroopers and you don't know who's who. Some of them didn't have, mil, you know, I mean, as an ex-military person, I have to tell you, you know, you can't have, like, uh, all this crazy facial hair. Do you know what I mean? And so they look like hipsters dressed in militia outfits. Turns out Bill Barr has called in Department of Justice, Bureau of Prisons, guards. You have... Guards from Texas guarding the White House. Prison guards guarding the freaking White House. Now, that's bad enough, but think about this. I told you, you know, all, the, all you crazy people out there with the Jeffrey Epstein theories, this is, Jeffrey Epstein was killed in a prison run by Bill Barr. Prisons are run by the Department of Justice. Bill Barr is using and creating his own freaking army. That is is freaking frightening. Bill Barr? What's the chain of command? Who's giving orders to these guys? How do we identify them? Let's say they abuse us. Let's say they shoot us. Let's say they use excessive force against us. Who do you complain to? They're not wearing any insignias. We had to actually, last night, all the reporters, me, everybody, we were talking to each other, trying to figure out who these little green men are, and trying to get Senator uh, Chris Murphy from Connecticut, uh, trying to get Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, trying to get the Armed Services Committee in the House, trying to get the Department of Home, not the Department, but the Homeland Security Committee Chair in the House, to start investigating this weird occupation 
that's happening in Washington, D.C. with these non-tagged, non-insignia, no-named, riot-geared, militia-looking, crazy presence in Washington, D.C. And why Washington? Well, Washington, D.C., and this has got to change. Washington, D.C. is not a state. It is probably the only place that Donald Trump could get away with this because no governor wants Donald Trump to bring in the National Guard. No governor has requested military help. No governor has asked for the Bureau of Prisons to send sort teams. No governor has asked for Border Patrol. No governor has asked for the DEA or the ATF or any of these alphabet soups of unidentified military-looking people. And finally, finally, last night, there was like uh, footage everywhere, and we were all talking to each other, trying to figure this out. And, 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 and later in the evening, there, there started to come some reports about uh, who these people were. All right, so this was the, 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 the first inclination that uh, I had, that, that people were getting hip to this. So Ray, I, I I just think this is this is about uh, the most chilling uh, story of the week, uh, other than yesterday. Well, when Trump uh, claimed that the newly dead George Floyd, um, a victim of his racism, a victim of Trump's racism, and uh, you know uh, is ginning up the the, the the racial divide in this country. Trump said that uh, George Floyd would be looking down and uh, in joy and glee at the at the faked job numbers, the inflated job numbers, which went up only a, you know the the job rate improved only a little bit, but in fact it it didn't improve. It came out later in the day. Oops, there was a footnote at the bottom of the of the jobs report that said, "Oops, no, uh, the the job rate actually got worse in in the past month." And uh, uh, I don't think people are going to catch on to that. So so Trump had a, a celebration mm-hmm. day at the White House, and uh, and he claimed George uh, Floyd was uh, approving and smiling down and. It does. Uh, it 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 does get worse, but that was just hideous um, yesterday. And 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 I think there's a warm spot in hell for people like Bill Barr, Trump's enablers, in, in the White House. What do you think of Bill Barr? What a uh... <laughs> Attorney General, I, I, I'm sure those letters could stand for something else and numerous uh, proposals. Um, the Constitution is just being driven off the road into the weeds. Um, I, I don't think there's any anything historically that matches Bill Barr. Would you agree with me? Oh boy, not not in this country. I mean, I heard Woodrow Wilson. Uh, I was taught that Woodrow Wilson was. Uh, 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 probably our most racist president before this one. Um, he, uh, among other things, he showed birth of a nation in the White House, and and he 
a resegregated federal employment, in, in at least in Washington, which had been desegregated, but Woody um, resegregated it. And he was just an out-and-out racist. And he had an attorney general who uh, helped him. And uh, I, remember, I believe the name was Palmer, Mitchell Palmer. And but this is this is the stuff that you've heard up heard from Nazi Germany, Hitler, and all his his accomplices, who uh, you know Goebbels and and um, oh the names elude me right now, but uh, Himmler, all of the people that went on trial for war crimes, and that's what I envision for Barr is going on trial for crimes against America. I mean, he's just, I, you couldn't dream up a character like this. Uh, I, I really wonder what, how people like this sleep at night. Uh, what is their, what is their goal? What is, what, you, you know, do they have no understanding or appreciation for the government of America, even Ronald Reagan at his worst, and and Nixon at his worst, uh, uh, respected at some level uh, the way the Constitution works, what it says, what what, it, what the obligations of elected officials. Uh, Trump and Barr, phew, they, I, I, I'm blown away by the the uh, the mentality of of both of them. And um, I wanted to talk about this idea of authoritarianism and um, I have another clip, which I'll play in a second. But the idea of, I mean, I just don't, I, I, I think, you know, Freud would have uh, a life lifetime of work to understand the mentality that brings people to an author desire for an authoritarian government. I I mean uh, we talked about this earlier, you and I, Ray, on on our pre show uh get together and we uh, I I think you found it uh, an interesting topic that that to say the least, that what what is in the mind of someone who would support a Trump or an authoritarian figure? Um, Ray, why don't I play this clip, and then uh, we can come back and and discuss it as time merrily rolls along here. Um, but uh, this is something from um, Box dot com, an interesting website. Um, run by uh, um, some progressives and former Washington Post employees. And, um, of course, there I've seen signs of homophobia there. But uh, here's what they had to say about the mind of a Trump supporter. And uh, let's discuss it on, when we come back. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. The 2016 Republican presidential nominee disregards the norms of adult behavior. 
He disregards the norms of American democracy as we know it. It should be heartbreaking to every American that we have a front runner that suggests there will be a religious test for anybody who wishes to come to our shores. He's so unusual, his rhetoric at times so extreme, that political experts and commentators were blindsided by his rise. We better be ready for the fact that he might be leading the Republican ticket next. <laughs> I know you don't believe that, but I want to go on. <laughs> How did Donald Trump attract such broad support within the Republican Party? And what does it mean for the U.S. beyond this election? And it turns out that this is a question that can be answered to a really surprising extent via this niche field of political science. It developed a theory about what's called authoritarianism. We're not talking about dictatorship. Authoritarianism is a term political scientists use for a worldview that values order and authority and distrusts outsiders and social change. And when authoritarians feel threatened, they look for strongman leaders. Leaders who are punitive, who target outgroups, and who have a simple, forceful leadership style that makes them feel strong. And if you were going to grow that candidate in a lab... I'm going to bomb the shit out of him. He would look a lot like Donald Trump. When you get these terrorists, you have to take out their families. They, they care about their lives. Don't kid yourself. Mr. But they Trump. say they don't care about their lives. You have to take out their families. Authoritarianism is not in and of itself necessarily a partisan issue. For most of this country's history, authoritarians were likely divided between the two parties. But now, only one of the parties really appeals to them. What happened was the Republican Party started to embrace what it referred to as traditional values, um, and it stood against a series of major social changes in this country. After initially supporting civil rights, Republicans began courting Southern white voters who opposed racial integration. They turned against the Equal Rights Amendment, denounced abortion, and later fought against same-sex marriage. Our nation must enact a constitutional amendment to protect marriage in America. More recently, foreign threats like terrorism have become major political issues, with Republicans taking positions that align with authoritarian fears and preferences. So Mark Hetherington and Jonathan Weiler, two political scientists, they tracked data over several decades and they found that authoritarian voters were shifting into the Republican Party. So that means that when authoritarians become scared, when they become activated by a particular social change or issue, the Republican Party can't ignore them. And they are a ready-made constituency for a candidate like Donald Trump. Are you going to have a massive deportation force? You're going to have a deportation force. I would bring back waterboarding, and I'd bring back a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. Testing people for authoritarianism is a bit tricky. You can't necessarily just ask people, you know, are you really freaked out by social change? Do racial differences unsettle you? Do you support strongman leaders? Because those are very sensitive questions and people won't necessarily answer them honestly. So instead, political scientists ask people about something more neutral, their parenting preferences. Please tell me which one you think is more important for a child to have, independence or respect for elders, obedience or self-reliance. These questions seem like they're about raising children, but really what they're asking people is how much they value order and authority. 
So when political scientists tested these four parenting questions against the behaviors that they knew authoritarians exhibited, they found out that the correlation was very close. It was very predictive, at least for white voters. Using this four-question test, Vox worked with Morning Consult in February 2016 to pull a large sample of likely voters. Our results yielded a few really interesting things. The first one was that, yes, scoring high on the authoritarianism questions was very predictive of support for Trump. A political science PhD student named Mackie McWilliams has found similar results. He has done two polls, both of which have found that authoritarianism is not only strongly predictive of Trump's support, but that it seems to do a better job of predicting it than virtually any other factor. We also looked at what authoritarian voters are afraid of. On things like car accidents, or the risk of gun violence, or prescription drugs, there wasn't a huge difference between authoritarians and non-authoritarians. But when it came to threats associated with people, and particularly foreign people, authoritarians were much more afraid. And we identified policies that authoritarians were more likely to support. So authoritarians were much more likely to say, for instance, that the United States should use force rather than diplomacy when dealing with countries that threaten our interests overseas. And they were much more likely to want to sacrifice civil liberties in exchange for safety. I want surveillance of certain mosques, okay? If that's okay. I want surveillance. It's a set of priorities that doesn't always align with the Republican establishment. They don't seem to have that much interest in small government, and they definitely don't seem particularly interested in shrinking entitlements like Social Security or Medicaid. This theory doesn't fully explain the Trump phenomenon. Researchers will probably study this election for decades. But what it tells us is that he's benefited from a larger shift in this country one that goes beyond any one candidate. Trump isn't just a fluke. He's not somebody who's just doing well because he had name recognition or was a famous TV star. This is a large group of people. They want these things. And they're going to be looking for politicians who can give it to them. And that means that Donald Trump could be just the first of many Trumps in American politics. I love the old days. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. That's true. Well, Ray, uh, that was a little longer than I thought, but it, it's, um, again, chilling. <laughs> I, I, I really, you know... <laughs> I'm torn between confronting a Trumpy, as I call him, or just uh, sucking it up and, and um, saying nothing. But saying nothing is hard too. Um, I, 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 I just because I don't think they're they're capable of changing their minds. You know, um, these are deep psychological uh, opinions that about. The, uh, about the world, about themselves. About, I mean, it probably goes back to whether they were properly potty trained. Um, and I think Hitler figured it out. And uh, not that he was a, a brilliant person. Um, and Trump, the you know, it's the easy way to get yourself elected president is to uh, 
appeal to people's uh, uh, worst instincts or base. It's the lowest common denominator. It's a simple game. It's the kind of thing that I said to you privately that uh, you experience in a lifetime of education. One out of every gazillion kids is just not reachable. They can't be handled within the confines of a traditional educational setting. And what they did was to plop <laughs> this uh, TV show, this TV star, uh, with all kinds of questionable backgrounds. I mean, his educational background, you, you fill it in. I mean, he's a made-up character. He's a cartoon character, and you put him in the White House. And as um, George Will said, there is no bottom with Trump. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And I, I couldn't agree with you more about the fact that these people are not capable of, of uh, changing. It's some psychodynamic that's going on in here. At first, I thought they were just stubborn, but there's there's a lot at play here, and which is what makes me worry so much about who will ultimately be elected in November, because I don't think a lot of people realize, A, how high the stakes are, and B, what they're dealing with in the Trump uh, you know the Trumper, the Trump cultists, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I'm either naive or or overly optimistic about human nature, but uh, uh, I don't think I should be. Uh, I the more uh, there, there's there's a particular person I think about who's a doctor, and I've I've found out that uh, doctors um, overwhelmingly like Trump. Um, they, 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 and I think part of it has to do that. A doctor told me once, you know, uh, I was complaining about a doctor once, and he said, "Well, you're absolutely right. We're trained to be imperious and judgmental, and 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 to feel that everything we do is right." And there's. Uh, there's a, a a doctor now that I know who uh, got <laughs> was on the way home from work and he he he, he you know um, he's a millionaire he uh, lives in this you know beautiful community and uh, uh, has a mansion and always complains that he doesn't make enough money at a million dollars he just doesn't handle it very well. Um, uh, has a home movie theater, uh, you know, <laughs> lives in a completely isolated, padded world. And he was on his way home the other night, and um, there was he ran into a protest, got caught in his car in a protest, and uh, he was maced. The 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 uh, police in the helicopters above dropped some tear gas, I believe. And he was fit to vote for Trump a thousand times. You know, this is somebody who I heard, you know, when he was young, was very compassionate. He treated uh, uh, AIDS patients in New York when nobody else would. And you thought, wow, this is uh, this is uh, the doctor of the century. He's he's very compassionate. Well, something big changed, or something inside him just finally found expression in Trump and it just makes me sick to hear I I you know I just don't want to hear any more of his uh his 
BS. Um, and and part of the, the the strange thing is that his his patients are are mostly African American and come from the poorest part of South Jersey, South New Jersey, um, and I just can't imagine the, what goes on in his mind that the contempt he must have for his patients. Um, you know, he's busy uh, saving lives. He's got this sort of messianic complex. And um, it, it's just a disgusting, repulsive situation that I don't want to hear any more about. And I um, I think it's it's duplicated a, a billion times around the country. And, and that's that's where uh, you get the core of the Trump supporter and how you counter it is, as you said, Ray, scary. How is Biden going to counter that, that, that drive, uh, that drive to authoritarianism, the need for structure, uh, you know, people's, people's lives are messed up. You know, we, we, we've, uh, um, some of us, you know, we all have flaws, but uh, some have gaping, gaping flaws in their, in their personality and their, their. Uh, well, you know, Ray, you 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 taught generations of kids in school, as you mentioned, and um, I wasn't exposed to such a broad population of uh, differences and and real. Um, but I've seen it lately, and it has changed my thinking that there there is so much uh, uh, distress out there, broken families, broken windows, as they said in New York City, and uh, you know, uh, there's you can't be the social worker to the world and uh, and and heal the world as I've been chided. Um, and I come back with, well, but you can try to make a little money off of it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it is it is sad. And instead of trying to heal rifts, Trump uh, takes pleasure and delight and opportunity in in uh, increasing the rifts, increasing the resentment. And uh, God help us all. Ray, any, any thoughts? Well, you know, final... I, the only thing I would mention in the final seconds would be, um, you know, the uh, front and center here is something called the chaos factor. And that is uh, extrapolates out to what do you wake up into in the morning? And I've had some very, very smart people say to me, I just don't want to open my eyes and turn on the TV and find out what crisis is there today. And you can bet for the rest of his time in the White House, there will be one virtually every day. And there is, I think, a um, tinsel strength to how many of those crises can be um, put out there for the public before they say, just get like the kids. I can't stand you anymore. Get out of the house. (laughs) And uh, I think right now that's the way they feel about Trump and the White House. Right. Well, I want to take a minute here to um, uh, promote my new book. This is a book for a thousand moms. It's called Gay Pride. Gay Prejudice, How Brain Science is Helping to Conquer Fear and Misunderstanding. And it's a layman's guide to uh, the stresses of, of 
being gay in America. And Ray, I, I'm of the strong feeling, I know you are too, that, uh, uh, you know, we have a real racial problem that's played out across America and is playing out. Um, but, you know, uh, we have a, a, a whole a subset of, of uh, 30 million plus gay people who are uh, going through much the same, even worse. And um, it's not a time for us to be silent. And it's a time for us to speak out for ourselves, for our children, for our future. So you can get this book at Amazon. It's Gay Pride, Gay Prejudice. And you can uh, search my name, David Baylog, B-A-L-O-G, or you can search out Gay Pride, Gay Prejudice on Amazon.com. So, Ray, with that, we ought to close the, sh- close the studio, and um, thanks for everything. My pleasure.